Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we welcome blood sugar and digestion expert, Danielle Hamilton. You can heal. You can figure this out. And no one knows your body better than you do. So it's about teaching yourself how to understand what your body's telling you. So a lot of your healing journey has to do with understanding the symptoms that your body is manifesting because that's your body's way of talking to you. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast from benazadi.com. I have Daniel Hamilton joining me today. She is so much fun. Her energy, her knowledge, her story, I just vibed with her so much, and she's doing incredible work out there educating the world on gut health, keto, fasting, insulin resistance, blood sugar regulation, and much more. We get into why Danielle decided to become a health practitioner. Her story actually ended her in Miami, and we'll talk about that, and how she read one book that changed her life forever, and she started to do everything opposite of what she had been learning, and it changed her life for good. We talk about why fasting is crucial to making insulin hormones more sensitive. This is key for reversing insulin resistance. We also talk about the role industrial seed oils and vegetable oils play with contributing to insulin resistance and even type 2 diabetes, why you should steer away from processed carbohydrates and what they're really doing to you, even that fruit in the smoothie and the fruit juices, the problem with snacking and why it could be the thing holding you back, preventing you from breaking through that plateau, why building muscle will be critical for insulin sensitivity and how to do it, why getting into a parasympathetic state with relaxation, oxytocin, meditation is key for improving glucose and insulin. We talk about the role of sleep with glucose and insulin. You know me, I always talk about sleep and some simple things you can do tonight. We also get into an important topic for those doing keto. One of the most common questions I get is, Ben, I want to do keto, but I don't have a gallbladder. Can I do keto without a gallbladder? Well, Danielle gives you one of the best answers to that question. Even if you do have a gallbladder, but you're having digestive issues on keto, she's going to break down and give you a masterclass on the gallbladder, the liver, the bile, and how that relates to fat digestion. That's very important. It's at the end that she talks about that. It's very important for everybody following keto to really understand what she shares then. And we get into so much more. So I can't wait to bring Danielle on the show. You're going to love her so much. Before I bring Danielle on, I want to take a second here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. 
This is a five-star review from Magneto Millionero titled, Love the Content and the Guests. Have recently stumbled upon Ben and his podcast, Keto Camp, through Benjamin Bickman. I love it. Everything is incredibly well-explained, super useful, and with great guests that make the content so much more enjoyable. Already got the book Keto Flex because there is no better metabolism than a flexible metabolism. Thanks, Ben. Oh, I love that. I love that line you just said. There is no better metabolism than a flexible metabolism. I'm going to steal that. (laughs) And I'm grateful that Dr. Benjamin Bickman got you to my show. I've had Dr. Benjamin Bickman actually three times now on the Keto Camp Podcast. He's such a wealth of information. He endorsed my book, Keto Flex, along with Dr. Fung, Dr. Mindy Peltz, and Thomas DeLauer, and several others. So thank you for that. If you haven't left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or a review yet on Apple Podcasts, please pause the episode right now, scroll down, and leave a rating and review. It really helps the show grow, and maybe I'll read your review on the next episode. And if you want to get my book, Keto Flex, it's available right now on paperback and Kindle over at ketoflexbook.com. Did you know there's actually beverages that can supercharge your fasting results? My favorite, which is a keto powerhouse, is apple cider vinegar. There's a ton of research showing apple cider vinegar has been beneficial for boosting your metabolism, suppressing appetite, reducing fat storage. That's because apple cider vinegar contains acetic acid, which is a short-chain fatty acid that's been shown to promote weight loss in those ways. Also, apple cider vinegar is one of the best ways to balance your blood sugars. A study showed apple cider vinegar improved insulin sensitivity after high-carb meals up to 34%. We also know that apple cider vinegar stimulates digestion, acts as a bile stimulant to help break down the fat you're eating on keto. Another research study showed apple cider vinegar protects against mineral depletion. If you're like me, you probably don't like the taste of apple cider vinegar. I think it tastes disgusting. That's why my go-to is Paleo Valley's apple cider vinegar complex. This is an organic blend of apple cider vinegar and four more gut and health supportive superfoods. I take this before my meals, I take it before coffee, and this enhances my fast and my blood sugar regulation. You'll find it contains organic apple cider vinegar, organic turmeric, organic ginger, organic Ceylon cinnamon, and organic lemon. Since you are a listener of the Keto Camp podcast, we worked out an exclusive discount code for you to get the apple cider vinegar complex capsules and all of the products over at Paleo Valley. All you need to do is head to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. By the way, they got delicious beef sticks and an awesome organ meat complex. Go check them out paleovalley.com. That is KETOCAMP15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below in the show notes. Danielle Hamilton has a pain to purpose, the promise story, which she's going to share with you shortly as I bring her on. She changed her health after doing everything opposite of what she had been learning up until that point. And she wanted to actually start educating the world because she saw what it did for herself. So she became a nutritional therapy practitioner, and she learned about the foundation of all hormonal imbalances, and that is blood sugar balance. She became a leading expert in blood sugar regulation, insulin resistance, digestive health, and I'm grateful to have her on the show. So here's Danielle Hamilton. Danielle Hamilton, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. 
Thanks so much for having me, Ben. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. You are an expert in gut health and insulin sensitivity, glucose management, and you're doing some really cool things in the world. I was on your awesome podcast and you have a really cool story. And I'd love to start there. You know, How did you get involved in the health space? Why did you decide to become a, a health practitioner? Yeah, so my story starts where a lot of ours do. Growing up eating the standard American diet, I loved processed carbs, I loved breakfast foods. And even from a very, very young age, I was always spitting up. I had eczema and I had ear infections, which meant lots of rounds of antibiotics and strep throat and more antibiotics. And then as I got older, I was in college, I was almost in college and I had to get my tonsils out. After removing the tonsils, I had to, I developed tons of allergies and asthma. And I didn't realize that tonsils are part of your immune system. They kind of flag things. So it wasn't, it's not really coincidental that I developed those allergies and asthma the next year. In addition to all that college drinking and eating on top of that. Here in Florida, huh? Here in South Florida? <laughs> um, no, not yet. Not yet. I was oh, okay. in Baltimore at the time but I'll, I'll get to the, the Florida part of the story. So I was developing these allergies and then I moved to Miami and I found out I was even allergic to palm trees. Like I was allergic to that many things and so many things that I was getting the shots to help you not be so allergic to things. And I had to at first get three, I got more allergies. I had five shots at a time. And so I was giving myself five shots in the abdomen like three times a week, three or four times a week. And I was taking multiple prescription medications. I had chronic sinus infections. I was on all these inhalers. And I was in my early 20s. I'm like, what the heck is going on? This can't be how life is supposed to be. So at the time, I was also working in a skilled nursing facility right there in Miami, very close to where you live. And I was noticing that I was doing all these chart reviews for clients and I was noticing they had a plethora of diagnoses and then even more like double that the medication lists they were just I mean they went on for ages and I had to type all them into all my reports I'm like oh my gosh this is crazy and here I am with myself at you know let's say 23 at the time with all of my conditions and all of my prescriptions and I'm like what's going to happen to me when I'm 80 I'm going to end up like all the people here and I just knew in my heart that this is not what's supposed to happen I'm like there it feels wrong there's something wrong so I was introduced to the book uh, the Paleo Solution by Rob Wolf and I read that book and it's all about real food and how everything that we've been taught has been misinformed and it was basically hey do the opposite of everything we've been taught <laughs> you know don't focus on grains just eliminate those like don't have these heart healthy vegetable oils get rid of those too eat the saturated fats from healthy animals it's like so i pretty much switched up everything i was doing and almost effortlessly I got rid of all of my allergies, all of my asthma, never had a sinus infection again, got rid of the candida stuff that I was having. And it was like, I wanted to shout this information from the rooftops. I'm like, real food, this is so amazing. And so I was doing really well. And then I was welcomed into the wonderful world of female hormones after a really stressful year. So I started to develop all these 
hormone symptoms. I was, I lost my period. I was getting really bad acne. I was gaining weight, even though I was eating the same thing. And I was really, really fatigued. It felt like true, almost like that adrenal type fatigue where, you know, you sleep and you're not rested and you want to take a nap again. And again, I was like, okay, what is going on here? Because I was just doing great eating this and now I'm not. So I found out through internet searches that I probably had PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I went to a gynecologist to get an actual diagnosis. And I said, you know, doc, I, I can't lose weight no matter what I do. I have these symptoms. And he looked at me and he said, you have to lose weight. There's no cure for PCOS and you have to take the pill. I was like, come on, seriously? So I walked out of there with a diagnosis and a prescription that I ripped up. I'm like, I'm not taking this. And I was like, I'm going to show you, like, I'm going to do this. So I was looking at all the advice for people with PCOS back in uh, like 2014-ish, this was, and it was like, okay, don't eat refined sugar. I'm like, great, I don't eat refined sugar. And it's like, take out dairy. I'm like, I do that. I don't eat dairy. And eat, you know, healthy foods. And I was like, great, I'm doing all these things. So I didn't really have like a game plan, but I was like, okay, I'll just paleo harder. And it didn't work because I wasn't paying attention to a huge, huge part of my diet. So fast forward that to a few years ago, I was listening to a podcast with Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. And Megan said, PCOS is like the diabetes of the ovaries. And I was like, what? What do you mean diabetes? I think diabetes has to do with blood sugar and I don't have diabetes. Wait. And so I realized that all this time when I was, you know, looking into my nutrition and trying to heal myself, I was always glant, like skipping over the blood sugar section because I'm like, I don't have diabetes, so I don't need to pay attention to this because it was kind of complex and didn't make sense to me. And so I just skipped it. So I never learned about it at all. And meanwhile, this blood sugar stuff was really at the root of what I was going through. So I started to do my own research. I went to nutritional therapy school and I realized that insulin resistance was really the driver for PCOS. It was really the PCOS as a manifestation of the insulin resistance and inflammation that I was experiencing. And that was my manifestation of it. So I started doing a healthy ketogenic diet. So I took my paleo diet and got rid of the kombucha, the coconut sugar, the plantain chips, the sweet potatoes, the fruit, the acai bowls, the smoothies. It's like, oh, wow, I was really eating a boatload of sugar. And I didn't even realize it because it was disguised as healthy carbs and healthy sugar. And so I didn't even pay attention to it. I never counted a carb in my life because I just thought they were healthy carbs and they came with vitamins and nutrients. So they were fine. And so I realized this huge blind spot that I had. And so I cut those out, just added more fat and my diet became ketogenic in nature. And I started doing some fasting and then I did a lot of nutritional therapy work on myself. So I had to do a lot of looking at my digestion and my adrenals and things like that, up to my hydration, my minerals. And I reversed my PCOS really easily. I have no symptoms of it at all. And I feel great. And we talked about this when you were on my show. And now I don't have to be in a ketogenic state all the time. And now I can tolerate some of those healthy paleo carbs again. And so I don't have them in the same degree that I used to, because that would lead to another disease state because that was too much for my body. But now I can flex in and out of ketosis. I use these carbs as sort of like a tool. So it's like, okay, my cycle's coming. I'm going to 
dial up the carbs a little bit or, um, you know, around workouts and things like that. And so I feel so much more freedom in my diet. It's not like, oh, I just, I was this sugar addict. I had this sugar dragon always breathing down my throat. You should probably have a little bit more. You should probably have a little bit more. And now I just feel like he's asleep. He could wake up at any time, you know, he's going to live in there forever, but he's not dominating all of my decisions. So I feel like I'm in a really great place and yeah, I teach others to do the same. I became really passionate about reclaiming your life and getting out of doctor's offices because they can't give you the answers a lot of times and it feels really frustrating. And so I just want to give hope to people that you can heal, that you can figure this out and no one knows your body better than you do. So it's, about teaching yourself how to understand what your body's telling you. So a lot of your healing journey has to do with understanding the symptoms that your body is manifesting because that's your body's way of talking to you. Mm, what an incre incredible healing journey you've, you've had. And I love that you're sharing it and inspiring other people. That doctor who told you that hey, you just gotta live with PCOS. I mean, of course she was wrong because the body could heal. To your point, your body healed. And it's a shame that a lot of doctors still are giving these death sentences. I always say, if a doctor tells you your condition is terminal, you should just look at them and say, actually, your ability to help me is terminal and find a different solution, which is exactly what you did. So insulin resistance is so prevalent nowadays. You know, it starts with insulin resistance. It could take years for insulin resistance to develop and even get discovered by allopathic care. And then eventually it leads to type 2 diabetes, which could be even more dangerous. So let's talk a little bit about insulin resistance, if you will. You had a recent post on your Instagram channel, which was terrific. And it was about what are some things we can do to improve insulin sensitivity. The first item you had on your list was actually intermittent fasting. How is that uh, crucial to making that insulin hormone more sensitive? Yeah, so... I like to think about when our bodies become resistant to things really, really fast. And so with insulin resistance, as soon as there's insulin levels in the blood, your body's kind of becoming resistant to it almost like very, very quickly. And it's not all at one time, but all these cells are becoming resistant to the insulin. So I like to think about it as, okay, let's say I have my headphones on, which I do. Let's say I'm listening to music and there's like a lot of noise outside. So I turn my headphones up and it's like, oh, there's still so much noise garbage trucks, whatever, turn my headphones up. Then someone comes to talk to me. I pause my music. I listen to them. I put my music back in. I press play. What's going to happen? It's going to be like, oh, that was so loud, you know? And we've all done that. We've all turned on our car and it's been like, oh my gosh. Yep. But when you were listening to it, you didn't experience it as that loud because we'd already developed resistance to it. Same thing, you put on a shirt, it's got a tag on it. After a few minutes, you're like, you don't even notice it anymore because you've become resistant to it. So the same sort of phenomenon is happening with the insulin and the receptors on the cell are just either, well, some of the cells could be too full. So it's like no occupancy, we can't do anything for you or they're just becoming resistant to this message. So with intermittent fasting, it's a really great way to help to lower the insulin levels and to kind of use that up so that the body does become more sensitive. So we, the name of the game is lowering the insulin levels and that will help the body just immediately become more sensitive to them. So according to Dr. Fung, intermittent fasting is the number one way to improve your insulin sensitivity. So it's a really important thing that you can do. And it doesn't need to be the same 16-8, 16-8 every single day. Switching up your fasting is really good because your body 
is so smart. It gets used to things. So if you're like, I've been doing intermittent fasting all the time and I'm not seeing benefits, it's definitely time to switch things up. That's a great, great point for sure. Yeah. Switch up your fasting schedule, just like you would go and do an exercise and always mix up the routine to keep the body guessing to continue getting results. Same thing with your fasting schedule. I love the analogy about the, the headset. So the solution is to tone down the music, dial down the music, not to you know, band-aid it with something else. Another analogy along the lines of your analogy uh, that I heard from Dr. Daniel Pompa, my mentor, is when you um, when you have children, I don't have children, but if you had children and you screamed at them, you like, go clean your room, you're yelling at them, they're gonna listen to you at first. And then you keep screaming at them, go clean your room for weeks and weeks and months, then they're gonna be more resistant, they're gonna be more deaf to your screams. It's the same thing with, with the insulin. You keep calling insulin, it's around all the time, you're gonna become more deaf to those screams. So it's a great analogy, uh, awesome share there. So intermittent fasting is, Terrific. It could start with something as simple as 12 hours. Done eating at 7 p.m., uh, continue sleeping, eight, uh, and then 7 a.m., excuse me, you have your first meal, and then extend that to uh, a better window and then change that routine. So I love that. Uh, the next thing you have on the list here is a personal favorite of mine to talk about, and that is uh, seed oils and vegetable oils. How does that contribute to insulin resistance? So I don't know the exact mechanism, but these industrial seed oils, vegetable oils, you might know them as soy, safflower, sunflower, corn, canola, cottonseed, grape seed, and rice bran. They just contribute to insulin resistance. They actually directly cause it. And like I said, I'm sorry, I don't know the exact mechanism. Maybe you do, Ben, but they will cause your body to have insulin resistance and also block your body's own fat burning. So as the fats become part of us, then they interfere with the body's ability to burn its own body fat. And so a lot of people are kind of stuck because they have this toxic body fat from these seed oils and it becomes really hard. They damage the metabolism. They make things run less efficiently. They have so many other issues to them. They interfere with bile production. They cause inflammation. They cause free radicals in the body. So if you need something to not eat, this would definitely be it. <laughs> oh, it's the, it's so important. And there, it's worse than sugar because at, le at least your body could burn down sugar. It can't burn off these bad fats. The mechanism, by the way, is the vegetable oils and the industrial seed oils, they inflame the receptor sites for insulin. So it blunts them and it creates this dysfunction, like me having my fingers in my ears, another analogy, right? And it's like, it's blunting that signal. So then insulin has to work harder to get the message in there. So when you remove them, you remove inflammation around the receptor sites and now insulin does a better job. So that's a big tip right there. I love that you speak about it. And then the next one is along the lines of what people are doing with keto already, but processed carbs. Uh, so that's kind of obvious, but talk a little bit more about processed carbs. Yeah. So the more you process a carbohydrate, the more likely it is to spike your blood sugar because you're removing a lot of the fiber or you're sort of pulverizing the fiber so it doesn't do its job. So even if you compare like a fruit, a whole fruit versus a fruit smoothie, you've really pulverized that fiber and now it's not really able to slow down the blood sugar response. And so things like dried fruit, juicing fruit, making fruit into smoothies, those are all forms of processing, cooking them down into like a jam or something as well, making something into a chip, turning rice into a rice cake. All of these forms of the processing 
and of course, flour. So grinding something into a flour, we increase the surface area and its absorbability. Boom, it just like shoots up that blood sugar really, really fast. So any sort of carbohydrate that is has been processed is really going to spike our sugar. And when we think about processed carbohydrates, for the most part, we think about the ultra processed ones. So things like French fries and, you know, white bread. And I, I don't even eat these things anymore. I'm so like, far <laughs> removed, but all the things I used to eat. So like pancakes and French toast and waffles and even like, you know, yogurt off the show, go-gurts and things like that. Like lots of those things. I usually use all the little emojis. They have lots of processed carb emojis. If you're ever looking, um, <laughs> they, do. <laughs> they do like the croissant and everything bagel. <laughs> so these processed carbs, these the ultra processed ones are really the worst ones because they don't even have any redeeming factor of any nutrients with them. So they not only spike your blood sugar really fast, but they also rob your body of essential nutrients needed to process the sugar. So they leave you really nutritionally deficient. So one example is every molecule of glucose requires something like 54 molecules of magnesium to process. So if you're not eating a food that already contains the magnesium or the chromium or the zinc or the B vitamins to process the glucose, then where is it getting it from? It's just going to steal it from your body. So it's a really bad thing. And then you have worse glucose control. And so it's a bad cycle to be in. Not to mention the uh, addictive component, right? How, how you just want more of it. And I know you've been there. I have as well. Uh, I made a post recently about the next item on the list here, and that's snacking. A lot of people hated it on TikTok. <laughs> Speaking of TikTok, offline with you, because they don't want to hear that their precious snacks is causing an issue. So what's the issue with snacking? <laughs> I have a post where I said, there's no such thing as a healthy snack. Don't at me. <laughs> the only caveat to this is I'm going to say for someone who's working on actively healing their reactive hypoglycemia, you may need to eat more frequently, but the goal is to get away from doing that. So the reason why snacking is no good, and especially for our insulin, is because most of the time, snack foods are going to be high in carbohydrates, but even if they're not, they're going to have some effect on our blood sugar, unless it's just like a bite of butter. So we're going to have an effect on our blood sugar every time we eat a snack, basically, and the blood sugar goes down right away, but the insulin takes a little bit longer. So we spiked from breakfast and then it, the insulin slowly coming down, but then we have a mid-morning snack. And so the insulin goes up again and then we have lunch and the insulin goes up again and then another snack and then dinner and then dessert. Like, so when we're eating all day, the insulin levels just go up and up and up. And that's what we talked about in the first one, where we don't want those insulin levels to be elevated. We want to bring them down. So if you stop snacking, even if like to start, I usually will tell my clients like, Take your snacks if you're like just starting from scratch and just have them right at the end of your meal. So it's actually a better thing to have a dessert than a snack um, because you'll actually have blunted the response of the glucose from having had like proteins, fats, and vegetables at the meal. So we don't want to be having these snacks in the middle where it's just going to spike our sugar. And we want the, in, the insulin levels to come down. We want to give our body that time. And it's also important from a digestive standpoint as well. Our body is not meant to be digesting every second of the day. Eating is an inflammatory process for your body. So, I mean, just look at a food sensitivity panel. They're just measuring the amount of inflammation it causes in your body. Even if it's a little bit, it's still going to be all the time. So we don't want to be causing our body and asking it to be digesting 
like 12 hours a day. We want to give it lots of breaks and that's good for so many things. So, you know, our body's a whole and what's good for one thing, it's like, oh, it also happens to benefit this, this, and this. So mm-hmm. it's not surprising that it's, it's better. And well, we'll talk I- about that with gallbladder stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into the gallbladder. Yeah, well said. And that's, you know, it goes against the calories in versus calories out crowd because they're like, you could snack, you could have whatever you want as long as you hit your calories. But no, no, no. The body is more complex than that. It's not a math equation. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years. And then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden, your fat-burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden, your cells produce energy, so you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day my dog takes it every single day so does my girlfriend and my mom this is how much i love the product if you want to get your bottle delivered to your door head over to purelifescience.com check them out order a bottle or two and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days that is purelifescience.com use the coupon code ben Four to apply a $4 off coupon. That is Ben, B-E-N, and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. My colleague, Dr. Don Klum, he, he um, surveyed his patients, his population of patients, hundreds of patients, and he wanted them to write down every time you snacked, any, anytime you raised glucose and insulin. So it could have been a meal, could have been a snack. So anytime essentially you had a meal, because it's the same to the body, anytime you raise glucose and insulin, it's a meal to the body, to your point. And the average American, according to his survey, was doing that 17 to 23 times per day. How insane is that? Not only is your, your, are you going to do what you just said with glucose and insulin, glucose and insulin, but the digestive system needs to work on that. You're just going to destroy the gut. Isn't that crazy, Danielle? It really is. And that is more of that, like, we wish that these people would be eating only six times a day, right? <laughs> and so this is that, and, and I think it's gotten worse also in the age of COVID with everyone home and being able to graze all day long. And I found myself getting back into this because I'd be wanting to procrastinate for my work. And so I find myself in the kitchen. I'm like, what the heck am I doing in here? So it's very mindless. If you find that you're a person who does this, a, a really good trick is just keeping like a pad of paper in the kitchen and just writing down how you feel before you eat. It's like, you can still eat, but just write down how you feel. And you'll start to maybe notice like, oh, I'm bored. I'm like, oh, I'm just bored. I I don't even want to eat. So it's like, it's a really good way, like for emotional eating people as well to just 
keep tabs on that. Uh, so that grazing pattern is something that is really, really bad, really bad for the blood sugar and the digestive system. And it's so easy to do. It's so just mindless. You're making something, you throw a little something in your mouth, like mm -hmm. it makes you really think about it. Yeah, great tip right there. Yeah, have your snacks with your meals, just like you recommended. I love that that approach. Uh, next thing on the list here for insulin sensitivity is building muscle. So talk about that. Yeah, so when you build muscle, it kind of becomes like a sink for insulin and glucose. And the muscles are the first to some of the first tissues um, and cells in the body to become insulin resistant after the fat cells. And so especially building muscle, like muscle building activities are really good for insulin sensitivity because it creates more space. And then in Ben Bickman's book, he talks about how the intensity of the workout is really, really helpful for insulin sensitivity as well. So you don't just want to like, you know, lift a five pound dumbbell a few times and be like, oh, I'm trying to build some muscle. Like the intensity really matters. So going to fatigue is really going to be something to help to build those muscles and to burn up all that excess, you know, glucose, glycogen, and then you get that fresh, you know, sensitivity right in those muscles. And that's really helpful. Ah, so helpful. Yeah, that's the muscle is the longevity organ. It's uh, I like the that what you said about it's like a sink for for insulin. It really is. It absorbs it. So that's terrific. So some sort of strength training, building lean muscle mass. That doesn't mean you're turning into a bodybuilder. It just means you're putting on some lean muscle mass, which is so important. The next one is relax and meditate. How does that help with insulin sensitivity? Well, it helps because stress, it will just undo whatever you're doing nutritionally. So stress is going to cause a lot of cortisol. The cortisol can make you insulin resistant. The cortisol is the, another hormone that can make you put on weight. Cortisol spikes and, and adrenal hormones raising that adrenaline will really, like you can see yourself spike on a CGM. So you'll spike yeah. your sugars from having these intense episodes of stress and then just chronic stress, I feel like elevates the blood sugar over time. It's not as visible on a CGM graph, but over time, it's just chronic stress usually equals chronic blood sugar dys dysregulation. So when you know, stress is not going anywhere. So I always tell my clients, like, we're not going to try to get rid of the stress. That's not the point. I mean, there's things that we can do, like, Put, setting boundaries, getting, you know, cutting off relationships with toxic people. There's definitely things we can do to minimize stress, but there's a lot of things like, you know, you have a two-year-old with a disability. That's not something that's going to go anywhere. That's something that you need to like find a time to get your body out of that stress state. So I am a very type A, don't like to sit still kind of a gal. So I really struggle with this. And so I can relate to people who are like, I just don't want to sit down and do that. So there's lots of ways to calm your body down. And one of my favorite ways is doing breathing exercises. Uh, with meditation, I find like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm wasting my time. I feel like I'm wasting my time. I know I'm not, but mm -hmm. it doesn't resonate with me as much as doing breathing exercises because I can actually feel my body calming down. And it's sort of one of the ways to like the breathing calms the body, which will then calm the brain. So sometimes you can do the breathing first and then you'll be able to sit for meditation. So uh, one of my favorite breath work activities is the four, seven, eight breaths. So you inhale for four through your nose, hold for seven, exhale for eight. You do a few rounds of that. I actually tried that breath work with a, um, an HRV 
patch mm-hmm. on and it was measuring my HRV and which is a measure of resiliency to stress. And so the higher the number, the better your body is being resilient to stress. And so when I was doing this breath work, I just watched my HRV go up and up and up. I was like, whoa, this is so wow. crazy. So for anyone who's like a you know numbers person or like likes to see the data, just know that my data was like being amazing as I was doing that. So picture that for yourself, <laughs> you know, and even, I mean, you don't need to be doing anything special. You can do this anywhere you are. If you get nervous on a plane, you're sitting, you, the only break you have all day is when you sit on the toilet to go to the bathroom, like do your breath work, get that in before you go to bed. If you can't fall asleep, I have a lot of people saying, they're like, oh, I did that breath work. I couldn't fall asleep. And I went right back to sleep. So it's a I really good one. Do you yeah. breathe out through your, through your nose with the, with the eight count? So traditionally, it's top breathing out through your mouth, um, but I prefer to breathe out my nose and it works really great for me, but always in through the nose. So that yes. um, in through That's the mouth important. is very, yeah, not good. So yeah, breathing through your nose is more parasympathetic. You get more nitric oxide versus breathing through the mouth. I'm actually listening to a really good book called The Oxygen Advantage, which is teaching a lot about the breath work. So I love that you shared that because it's important. So I personally mouth tape at night to make sure I'm breathing through the nostrils. So those are like some things you can do. And then, yeah, like you said, if you're pooping, you could just do breath work on the toilet, right? That's also an option for well, you. Well, women sit on the on the toilet too to just oh, that's one. Correct. So that's, that's, a, that's correct. more what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either, either one. I was thinking the other one. It's fine. Take Relax. <laughs> It'll help you actually. It should help you go because you want to be more parasympathetic if you want to do that. It's on the same topic of like relaxing and stress, you also said that chronic stress is worse than sugar. You, you believe that? Yes, it it really is because like you said, you know, sugar we can process, we can burn through. It is a fuel source for our body, but chronic stress is going to lower our stomach acid, which is going to predispose us to having all sorts of digestive issues. It can open up the tight junctions in the gut. So that's why I wasn't surprised in my own story when I had that really stressful year. That's when the poop hit the fan, you know, that's when (laughs) things started happening for me in like hormonally wise, because it was just dysregulating all my hormones. And so stress causes the release of cortisol, which is a hormone. So it also dysregulates all your hormones. And so it just increases the needs of like certain nutrient needs. So it leaves you depleted. And then you have to think of that whole, I think about the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system tree. So things that happen when we're in this sympathetic state is that we shut off saliva production, we shut off stomach acid production, bile production, we stop parasolsis, we stop like balancing our sex hormones. So we get that pregnenolone steals, which just regulates your hormones. So basically pregnenolone is this precursor hormone and it can be made into all the sex hormones or it can be made into cortisol. And during periods of stress, instead of this pregnenolone being made into progesterone to help you feel nice and calm and balance, have balanced hormones, it's going to take that, all that was going to be made for progesterone or estrogen and just shuttle it to be made into cortisol. So that's where you find yourself extremely depleted because, and without, you know, a nice, you know, cyclical balance of your hormones or for men, they also get hormone imbalances and of their sex hormones and you just don't feel well. And it's that chronic stress that's actually stealing these hormones from you. So it's a really big problem. It affects every single, I mean, yes, sugar affects every single cell in our bodies. And I'm not saying go out and have a cake because, you know, you would be less stressed, but um, it's definitely a huge, huge problem. 
It's the silent silent killer. It really is. So that's huge, huge, huge. We got to master our stress and have some activities that could be meditation. It could be the breath work. It could be gratitude journaling. It could be going for a walk. It could be petting your cats, right? You could be petting your dog, get that oxytocin release. So the last item on the list here goes hand in hand with stress, and that is sleep, improving sleep. So how does improving sleep help with improving your glucose and insulin levels? Yeah, so even one night of sleep leaves you more insulin resistant the next day. Feeling tired, you're automatically, and there's lots of studies on this, like you're automatically gravitating towards all those higher glucose and carb filled foods because you need that energy. So chronic sleep deprivation causes you to just instantly be more insulin resistant. And it's a really big problem. But there's also an issue of if you have insulin resistance and glucose dysregulation, you're going to have a hard time sleeping. So they really have this bi-directional relationship. And so it's really hard to fix one or like one or the other. So, um, you know, it is a very multi-dimensional approach to improving your sleep because you're like, well, I can't sleep. I'm trying so hard because I have this blood sugar dysregulation. And so it's, it's definitely a tricky thing, but there's a lot of resources out there. You know, start with the small things, you know, even the mouth taping, making sure your room's super dark. Um, your bedtime routine is so important. And even your morning routine, setting yourself up for success at the beginning of the day, getting out side in the morning, getting that sunlight on your face, going for a walk, that is really important to help with those circadian rhythms. And that can help you at night, you know, getting rid of the phones in the bedroom. And we have a red light in our bedroom. And it's a really cool vibe. And, and really nice, because it doesn't block, it doesn't interfere with melatonin production. So get the lights off at night. If I go to someone's house, and we're there kind of late, and like they have the overhead lights on, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I need to leave. I need them to turn off the lights. I feel so uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, your cortisol, your cortisol is getting activated. You're like, No. Yeah, so so important. What what um what red light company do you use for the one in your room? Uh, Cheap one on Amazon. So I didn't use anything special, um, yeah. but it's not like specific red lights, but you have access to getting it for a light bulb for seven bucks or like a Himalayan salt lamp. They're like right. 10, 12, 15. Right. And, and we're, we're not talking about like red light therapy. We're talking about just those red lights as your big difference here. So it's okay to go uh, you know, on the cheaper end with these. If you're anything like me, you probably spend some money each month on your supplements. But what if you're still tired and you just don't feel 100% well? Well, there could be a deficiency. What if there was a way to know if you were actually absorbing your supplementation or not absorbing and maybe you're taking too much of something? Well, what I'm bringing you today is a chance to accurately test all of that. In this case, I'm talking about upgraded formulas, upgraded hair test kit and consultation. And once you uncover these hidden deficiencies, you could get rid of these symptoms you might be experiencing that might be affecting your thyroid, adrenals, or much more. Upgraded Formulas is a very cool company. I interviewed Barton Scott, who is the founder and chemical engineer who helps craft all their supplements, and they have this really cool upgraded mineral deficiency analysis. So say goodbye to blood and urine tests, which typically indicate short-term results. Hair is the best identifier, and you could get that hair from your head, armpit area, or even pubic area, and you'll receive a consultation with a member of Upgraded Formulas to help discuss your results. And it's very simple. Collect your hair sample, send it in, 
and get your results fast. We've worked out an exclusive deal, KetoCamp podcast listeners, to receive 10% off your order. Head to UpgradedFormulas.com, use the coupon code BEN10 at checkout to get your hair mineral kit and any other supplements that you could find on their website. That is UpgradedFormulas.com, use the coupon code BEN10. Now, I want to transition, Danielle, into a topic that I love talking about, and that, and this is so important for those doing keto, because when we eat keto, we eat more healthy fats. When we eat more healthy fats, we want to be able to break down those healthy fats. What helps you break it down is the liver, bile, and the gallbladder. It's this whole complex, and much, much more. So I would love for you to talk about this amazing gallbladder and the relationship with fat digestion. We'll talk about that. Yeah, so I have been talking a lot about the gallbladder lately, and I am really loving diving into digestion because everyone who does keto has a digestive system, and we really need digestion to work beautifully in order to see benefits in our health. And so the gallbladder, the liver is dripping bile constantly into our gallbladder if we have one. And then by the time meals come, we have a good amount of bile if we're not snacking and grazing all day and we haven't been using it, right? We have a nice amount of bile and the bile acts as dish soap. So we have a lot of this dish soap going in and its job is to emulsify the fats so we can actually absorb them. If we don't break them down into these free fatty acids, what happens is is that they're just going to act as this like big blob and it's inflammatory for the body. It causes all this digestive distress and it might just run right through us or cause issues like chronic constipation. So we, if we are not digesting our fats or if we're not breaking them down, we can't absorb them and we can't get the benefits from them. So there's a lot of people who have gallbladder dysfunction and, or they don't have gallbladders and they don't have enough bile at one time. So let's go to the people who don't have a gallbladder anymore. So now the liver is just dripping bile into the small intestine all the time. So first of all, that's pretty caustic. Like you ever throw up bile, it kind of burns your throat. Now this like caustic bile is just dripping into the small intestines, irritating it. So that's a whole other topic, but you're only getting a few drops at a meal. So that's like trying to wash an entire uh, sink full of dishes with like four drops of dish soap. It's just not going to happen. It's just not enough. And yes, some people can get this little pouch and, you know, but I don't see that happening a lot in my practice. I see a lot of people with gallbladder dysfunction, uh, with gallbladders out, having a lot of side effects from this, whether it be they can't balance their blood sugar. And it's like, you can't balance your blood sugar if you can't digest the fats. So it's definitely really common. And then people who have a gallbladder, they can still have issues with the gallbladder not functioning properly because bile is the substance that gets recycled. And by the recycling of it, thins it out and makes it nice and free flowing. So I like to think about it as like oil in a car. I don't know much about cars, but I know that they tell me, don't let the car sit. Like you have to drive it. So you use the oil so it doesn't become gunky. So that's all I know about cars. And so that's what I kind of relate. I don't even know if that's true. I I think it is, but (laughs) that's what they tell me. Um, So, you know, daughter of a mechanic, literally, I don't even know. So, um, 
So if the bile is not being used, and how do we use bile? We eat foods that have fat in it. So anyone who's lived through the 80s and 90s has eaten a low-fat diet. (laughs) And then anyone who's been plant-based, vegan, vegetarian, also very low-fat on the low-fat side. And so by this bile just kind of sitting there, it's not getting used. And then you have more of a propensity of the bile to get thick and sluggish, develop stones. And now when it goes to be used, it's getting stuck. It's getting, it's like blobby and not able to really emulsify those fats and do its job really well. And so that might cause a lot of pain or you might not notice it. There's a lot of symptoms that you can tell like when you go to the bathroom. So if your stools are shiny, if they're light or clay colored, if they float, if you have chronic constipation or if like greasy meals kind of run right through you, those are all signs that your gallbladder needs some love and support and attention. So it's something that you can tell about yourself from kind of looking at your bowel movements and then also just other symptoms like, are you having these symptoms where you're not absorbing your fat? So are you having this, even though you're doing keto or a higher fat diet, are you still struggling to balance your blood sugar? Are you struggling to balance your hormones? Do you have heels that crack and peel and like dry skin on your feet, itchy feet? Those are all signs of low fats. Also really low muscle endurance. So some people are just like, God, I can't keep my muscles going. It's fatty acids that help with that muscle endurance. So those are some signs that you might not be absorbing your fats, even though you're eating a high fat diet. And like I said, eating a high fat diet without breaking them down is just causing a lot of inflammation to the rest of the digestive tract. So it's definitely something important to get in check. Yeah, well said. I think it's the number one cause, at least from what I've seen, of why people feel like crap when they do keto. It's because they just can't break down the fat and they're having all those issues. So that's the problem. What are the solutions now? Yeah, so in order to work on anything with digestion, we have to remember that digestion is a north to south process. So I can't start by thinking about my gallbladder because that doesn't come first. Because if there's things that are happening up here, it's going to affect everything, every step below it. So step one is get into this parasympathetic state. We already talked about how to relax our bodies, doing some deep breathing, making sure you're sitting. I'm like the queen of standing and eating and I wish I weren't. So I'm trying to make sure I'm sitting, I'm being mindful at my meals, I'm calming my nervous system down so then I can activate the saliva, the the stomach acid, the bile, etc. And also chewing our food. We have to chew our food 20 to 30 times per bite and so many of us are just chewing a few times and swallowing. I teach this all the time to people and I sometimes will be like, oh my gosh, I just swallowed and I only chewed that like four times. So, (laughs) you know, sometimes you get that big chunk, you're like, oh man, because we have to take a piece of steak and break it down into a microscopic amino acid for it to be absorbed. And we have to do all of that by the time it gets to the small intestine. So there's so much breaking down that has to be done. So we really can help our body out by actually chewing our food. I have had countless clients tell me, Danny, I cannot believe what a difference it makes to chew my food. I'm like, I know who would have known, right? God gave us these beautiful teeth for a reason. So that's 
the free stuff that we can do to already start to have a really good digestive experience and digestive process. Then we need to really make sure that our stomach acid is adequate because this is really going to help us break down proteins. And it's going to also trigger a bunch of chains of events of different enzymes and things that get released. And then that's going to trigger the bile to be released. So that's why we have to do this north to south process and why I really do recommend, yes, doing all those free things I said, but also potentially working with a practitioner. If you are unsure of how to do all this, which I was unsure until I went to nutrition school, getting the adequate amount of hydrochloric acid, supporting with enzymes if necessary. And then once it comes to the gallbladder, it's important to remember the things that will help the gallbladder. So first and foremost, not eating all the time. Intermittent fasting is really going to help. We really want to make sure that gallbladder is filled with bile by the time we eat a fatty meal. So we don't want to eat you know, back to back or all the time. Staying hydrated is super important. And that's important in, you know, the keto and fasting stuff as well. So hydration is super, super overlooked, I feel like by many people, it's water is the number one nutrient deficiency in the country. So it's definitely something that we need to pay attention to when it comes to digestion, because it's a process of hydrolysis, and there's all these liquids involved carrying all these enzymes. So we need to be hydrated. And then there's also some foods. Ben, I saw that you posted about different foods for the gallbladder a while back, and I posted about that as well recently. So different acids, so the organic acids like in apple cider vinegar, lemons and limes, the warming spices like ginger and turmeric and cinnamon can be helpful. Different bitter herbs are good or vegetables. So like arugula, dandelion, milk thistle. And then if you tolerate them, prebiotic foods like garlic and some artichoke and things like that, those can be helpful as well, but not everyone can tolerate those, um, especially if you have dysbiosis. But leaning into some of those foods to help, and also beets are really good to help with bile production and vitamin C is important. And then the amino acid taurine is also really important as well as phosphatidylcholine. So those are some nutrients we can lean into. And then working with smart supplementation. So if you don't have a gallbladder, you really will most likely need to be supplementing with some form of ox bile or bile salts mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. I got a lot of pushback on Instagram saying that I'm fine. I'm like, okay, do what works for you. Um, but so many people, hundreds of people are like, I have never heard this. And their doctors chop out their gallbladder and they're like, bye, you're going to be fine. You didn't need it. And they are miserable. And so for anyone listening who doesn't have a gallbladder and you've been miserable ever since that surgery, it's not in your head. And it's not that you're doomed to a life of feeling miserable. This is just simply because an organ is missing that (laughs) is not able to do its job. And now you're not breaking down these fats and it's causing a huge chain of reactions. And so these supplementation strategies can really help. And then even if Like I said, you have a gallbladder that's working, but you have gallbladder attacks, you have all those issues with the stool that I was mentioning, you'll really want to work with a practitioner who can help you support your gallbladder with very specific functional support supplements to help it do its job because you really have to break down your food. Like I can't emphasize that enough because if you don't break it down, it's going to take all those little cilia in the small intestine and it's going to start shaving them down because it's too inflammatory. Those cilia want to absorb tiny microscopic nutrients and that they go right into the bloodstream. What we don't want to happen is that these cilia get shaved down and now 
that we lose the integrity of the small intestine and it starts to become leaky. And that's where we get all these particles seeping into the bloodstream that shouldn't be there. The immune system flags them as a problem. And now we have this huge immune inflammatory response in our gut, but what happens in the gut doesn't stay in the gut because we have a bloodstream. So it's taking all these inflammatory cytokines and histamines and things, and it's carrying them throughout our body. And we're experiencing headaches or joint pain or acne. And we're like, oh, that can't be from the food I'm eating, but it is. And so by not addressing all these steps in digestion and really getting them right, really taking time to get these right, if we don't do that, by the time the food gets to the small intestine, it's going to be a problem. And then we're going to start seeing those other issues. So, so many times I say, um, you know, how's your digestion? And people will be like, oh, my digestion is fine because I go to the bathroom every day and I take a probiotic. I'm like, well, that's the end of the chain of digestion. That's getting the large intestine. So, yeah, that's my spiel on, uh, on digestion. It was, a, it was brilliant. No, it was so so well said, and and I agree with you. Yeah, the, the bitters are important. Ox bile, if you don't have a gallbladder, you're right. When I recommend ox bile to, or bile salts to somebody without the gallbladder, they're like, what is that? And they have never heard of it before. And it's unfortunate that doctors are so willingly, they want to just cut out the, the gallbladder. And it's one of the top... Per- perform surgeries in the U.S., gallbladder removal, but it's there for a reason. Now, if you already had it removed, what's done is done. Follow these tips, and you could definitely still benefit from keto, whatever you're doing. I also learned, Danielle, recently when I interviewed Dr. Anthony Jay, who's a Mayo Clinic scientist, that getting sunshine and getting your vitamin D levels up could actually break down bilirubin and actually help with gallstones, which is fascinating. So, so you could just add getting sunlight to everything you just said and you have the the plan that's going to work for you. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, of course, getting sunlight is good for that and all these other things. So like all these good habits that we have, like getting out in the sunshine is really good because it's good for our circadian rhythm and our vitamin D and our nitric oxide and all like, it's just the list goes on. So it's really cool to know that what you're doing, it really like you get so much for your effort because it's like multiple, multiple benefits of all these good practices. Super cool. And a lot of these things are free. Like you said, the breath work, the slowing down and chewing your food, the sunshine, the fasting, the sleep, the stress management, the meditation, these are all free. And then you could add the other things into the mix. So uh, Danielle, where is the best place to go check you out? What do you want to share with my audience? Uh, You're up to some cool things on Instagram for sure. So share that. But where, where else can they find you? Yeah, thanks, Ben. So my Instagram is Danielle Hamilton Health. And I love to post infographics. I pretty much think in infographics now. Um, I'll be reading a book. I'm like, oh, okay. I have like eight posts in my head right now. But I also have a podcast called Unlock the Sugar Shackles podcast, and that's available anywhere you listen to them. And I also, if you're interested in doing some of that digestion work, I work with people one-on-one. I also offer functional gut testing paired with food sensitivity testing. And this is something I just became a restorative wellness practitioner. And it's something that I'm really newly passionate about and fired up about. And I, it's something that I just want to share real quickly that I used to recommend getting food sensitivity tests because I did that myself. But if you get food sensitivity tests and you cut out the foods you're sensitive to without doing really deep healing of the gut and digestion, you're just going to develop new sensitivities. And then you're just going to have to take out more and more and more foods. And I feel like a lot of people in the keto and carnivore community are sort of 
experiencing this as a whole. And then they're coming to carnivore. And then all these people on carnivore are telling me they have histamine issues. And it's like, well, I do so much better when I don't have these foods. And I think it's indicative. I think that some people do best with carnivore because that's fine. But I also think that a lot of this is we're trying to avoid our symptoms without doing the deep healing. And so now I have access to being able to create these really deep protocols. Like I have H. pylori, which is a bug in your stomach that suppresses stomach acid from having taken hundreds of rounds of antibiotics in my life or dozens at least, I have really bad gut flora. And it's like, after all this, after I eat so well, it's like, you can't out eat this overgrowth and poor digestion. And so it's something that I'm really excited to be able to offer people because it is just really deep, profound healing. It helps with autoimmunity, all sorts of things. So it's really exciting for me to get fired up about this because you could take out the food sensitivities and do the healing, and then you could get more foods in instead of fewer. So it works really well. And that's the goal. The goal is not to just be in avoidance your whole life. It's to do the work. And carnivore could be a great elimination diet as you do the work and then reintroduce it. So that that's terrific. What is your website again, Danielle? DanielleHamiltonHealth.com. That's also your your Instagram, Danielle Hamilton Health. Did you ever start, study marketing? No. Because you're good at marketing too. <laughs> well, thank you. That, yeah. No, I never studied that. I studied speech language pathology. So I'm also a speech pathologist, but I retired <laughs> from that. I worked with kids. I helped, you know. <laughs> got it. Got it. No, yeah. You're, you're really good with your posts. They're really engaging. Thank uh, you. And of course, the information is, is rock solid as well. But it's like the posts that stop you to make you want to read the, the actual post. So you're doing a good job with that. I want to acknowledge you for the awesome work that you're doing out there. You have an awesome podcast. You have a great Instagram, your website, the, the programs that you're offering, the community. We're going to put all that down below in the podcast notes. So thank you for being a, a light in this world and a great resource on gut health, blood sugar management, just empowering people to understand how incredible their body is. And I had a great time with you today. You explained things so very well and you have a great energy and great passion for it. I think anybody could hear that and it's very, very obvious. So I love that you love what you're doing and just keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for today's uh, conversation. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ben. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to that conversation with Danielle Hamilton. I told you she's a lot of fun. Go check out her website, daniellehamiltonhealth.com. Her podcast, which is the Unlock the Sugar Shackles podcast. I have been a guest on her amazing show. We will drop links and resources and everything we mentioned can be found in the notes of this podcast. And also go check her out on Instagram. I mentioned how awesome her Instagram page is. It's Danielle Hamilton Health. Tag us. Post this on your stories. Tag her, Daniel Hamilton Health. Tag me at the Benazadi, and we'll share it on our stories. Go send her some love because she's doing some great work out there. If this episode was value to you, please consider leaving it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. And text this to a friend. Maybe you know somebody who has high blood sugars, who has insulin resistance, who has digestive issues or diabetes. They could hear a conversation like this, and it'll change the course of their life forever. So hit the copy link button on your app here, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, and just send it to somebody in a text message, post it on your social media, and take a screenshot and post that screenshot on your Instagram page. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'll see you on the next episode. 
This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.